Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. I'm R. Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up in just a bit, we'll look back at the weekend that was in both the NFL and in college football. Plus, we'll dive into the NBA Finals where things stand right now as well. All that and more coming up on today's show. And joining me is Thomas Bridges as we had a nice weekend up here at Lawrence uh, watching KU take on Oklahoma State, some NFL action on Sunday. And we start out today's show with the question that we always turn to on these Monday shows, and that's what we learned this weekend. And, Tom, I got to say right off the top, what I learned this weekend is that Andy Reid has quite the mac and cheese recipe uh, on hand. Yeah, he does. Uh, That is actually the second time I've made that. The last time I made it was uh, the AFC Championship game. Um, And it was – it is phenomenal. It is no cheap man's mac and cheese by any means because the – I mean, five cheeses alone and about three of those are pretty decently expensive. But it is worth it. And uh, it is delicious and creamy and and everything that embodies the body of Andy Reid. Yes, it certainly does. And there were so many cheeses in this that I was amazed. Um, And how about this, Tom? I I was thinking about this. The two best mac and cheeses I've had now are the Andy Reid mac and cheese and the Bill Self mac and cheese. So so there's something in the water with these coaches within – the Kansas City area where they just have good mac and cheese. Right. And and I don't know when that Andy Reid mac was made or when he had came up with his own recipe there. It could have been in Philly, um, but could have been in KC. I, you know, I didn't know about it. I guess I wasn't into the art and craft of mac and cheese uh, until kind of recently. Um, but as an art and craft that I take seriously, it's just maybe the same as Andy Reid because uh, it's hard to beat a good homemade Mac. Um, but, yeah, that's, that, is, uh, that is something, you know, you learned about Andy Reid. Now it's your turn to learn how to make it. Yes. Uh, uh, I think it's not I really to. that hard. You got, a, you got a cheese grater on deck now. You know, you're ready to rock. I am down to make some Andy Reid mac and cheese in the future. I got plenty in my fridge for probably about the next week or so, but Tom did a good job. I gave a professional score. We reviewed it on my Twitter feed at Tyler Jones Live. And uh, I'm in one bite. Everyone knows the rules. That's how it works. We gave it a uh, 9.2, which is a very professional score. So uh, credit to Thomas and Andy Reid for that good mac and cheese recipe. Tom, what did you learn this weekend? This weekend. Uh, you know, I learned that, that this year in the at least the Big 12 is going to be um, potentially a year that the Big 12 misses out on the college football playoff and only to give up their spot essentially after playing 10 games to probably Ohio State, who's probably going to go undefeated. Um, that all being said, though, there's still much to learn about what kind of impact, and we saw it, and we'll talk about it later on, about the impact of COVID already in the NFL kind of changing some things up uh, with some players there getting it. And it's still like a long season ago. We still got essentially a whole eight weeks of college football, probably more than that, on 
you know, what is going to happen, what games are going to be missed, if any. I think so far the – I think college football has done a great job. Uh, so far, so good in, in minimalizing what we can um, and what they can. You know, obviously Baylor had a few falters on, on not being able to play Houston or Louisiana Tech. Um, and there's been a few other instances across the nation. But so far, so good. That could change. Um, also learn that and, – and this is nothing that should be a shock. Um, Spencer Rattler's young. Um, and Alex Grinch is everything that Ohio State fans said he would be, um, even after you know the dismissal of those claims that he was no, he was no uh, vegetables by any means. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, another loss for OU. Their second straight loss. Uh, first time they've lost back-to-back games since 1998. I was about two years old. The last time OU lost back-to-back games. So it's been a minute. We'll talk about that coming up later on. But where we want to start today is tonight's matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. And the fact that we're even sitting here today saying tonight's matchup is uh, something that we did not expect uh, by any means, Tom. Um, We got the news on Saturday, totally out of the blue. When I got off the air about 30 minutes later on radio, that Cam Newton, the New England Patriots quarterback, had tested positive for COVID-19. And then uh, shortly thereafter, the Chiefs also announced that their practice squad quarterback, Jordan Tayamu, he tested positive for COVID-19. Then within the next, you know, 48 hours, they did more testing among both the Chiefs and the Patriots and couldn't find any more positive tests, which was very good news. And also still weird to think about that, how did Cam and Tayamu each get it but not spread it among anyone else, considering how much Cam is around his team? Uh, Jordan, his role with the Chiefs this past week was as uh, the scout team quarterback resembling Cam Newton this week for the Chiefs. So with that being said, they did all the tests. Everything was conducted. The Chiefs got on a plane this morning at about 7.30 a.m. and arrived in Kansas City at 11 a.m. at MCI. And it looks like that we're good to go. I know Albert Breer was complaining about how New England's got to take a 35-minute ride over to Arrowhead uh, and how this is just going to make for a long day for the Patriots. Yes, I'm sure it's going to be a rough day for such a, a, a great franchise that's never dealt with adversity before. Uh, but with all that being said, this game is totally different than what it was on Saturday, when all the previous stuff we did on last week's show, Tom, I feel like we had to hit the reset button as we start off today's show on this game, because now you got a Monday night game. You've had an extra day to prepare. Now you've had COVID on everybody's minds here. Cam Newton's not playing in this game. Brian Hoyer's going to get his first ever start for the Patriots at quarterback. He's played for the Patriots for a while. I believe this is his second stint with the team, but he's never got the chance to start at quarterback. For whatever reason, Jared Stidham is not going to give it to go. People are still trying to figure out why Stidham is not playing, but nonetheless, Brian Hoyer is going to go tonight. And I'll say this, Tom, because both teams had positive tests, granted it was a practice squad player with the Chiefs, but still, I think everybody is on high alert. This should you know, get some nerves of some sorts with everybody, maybe more so with New England, but the Chiefs, certainly this raises the eyeballs. This was the first positive case the Chiefs have had since the team returned 
uh, to camp back in uh, July and in August. Uh, so that was certainly alarming of some sorts. You go into tonight's game, I expect the Chiefs to play well, to dominate. I'm not expecting much out of Brian Hoyer, especially since the Chiefs have now had a couple days to actually have tape on Brian Hoyer. They're not finding out just before game time that this happened. Uh, but nonetheless, it wouldn't surprise me if both these teams come out kind of slow of some sorts, a hesitation there just because uh, this is a reality check. This is a hard hit for these teams to take, uh, you know, on such short notice that, hey, you know, COVID-19 is very alive and well in the National Football League right now. Yeah, I think they will. Both teams will start out slow. I, I think it's obviously the factor that Cam Newton's playing and Brian Horrier is. I thought there was an interesting note that um, – Brian Hoyer actually, uh, you know, was playing against the New England defense, and he acted, I guess, the same way Tiamo acted as um, Cam Newton. Brian Hoyer actually acted as Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so we'll see who the true imposter is uh, <laughs> come tonight. We, we you know, I probably shouldn't be too hard of a guess, but uh, Brian Hoyer is going to try to do his best Patrick Mahomes impression tonight. I don't know if it's going to be enough or not. Uh, and I, yeah, I think you're right. I think both these teams start off slow because they're thinking, oh, like, uh, you know, just like a, you go in, you almost go in and sigh like, okay, uh, you know, takes this, some of the normalcy out if there wasn't already enough right, out um, of what is that. And when's the last time a team's played two Monday night football games in a row? It's been a minute. I can tell you that much, uh, you know, for – the Chiefs, you think about this too, Tom, now, well, playing tonight doesn't seem like a big deal. Uh, you know, we see Monday night games, of course, every week, and the Chiefs played Monday night last week. But the after effects of this for the Chiefs, you're talking about them playing three games now in 11 days. They'll play again on Sunday, and then they got a Thursday night game against the Buffalo Bills here. Um, the Chiefs look like the best team in the league, but – I went from feeling like, you know, just a couple of days ago, you know, hey, this team's looking really good. I wouldn't rule out 16-0. and 0. All of a sudden, I'm saying to myself, you know, coaches say that one game of game at a time, mantra and mentality and all that. I'm thinking with the Chiefs, just take one game at a time, especially this next three stretch, this three-game stretch. Let's just see if they can get out of these three games unscathed, uh, especially with injuries of some sorts, too. Uh, that's something you have to factor in. That's a lot of wear and tear for a short run that the Chiefs are about to be on here. So they have the Patriots tonight. I don't see – now, if, if it was Cam Newton playing, uh, you know, I thought – I was really looking forward to this game, actually, with the way that Cam Newton's played and, yeah. and just kind of how the Patriots have played. A lot of people, I think, counted them out. Um, I thought they've played well so far. Um, you know, almost had the Seahawks beat. Uh, Seahawks are undefeated as well, so that I think that says something about how good this Patriots team still is. Now, probably not facing, you know, the champions tonight. Probably not. Um, then you said they have – who is next Sunday? Next Sunday is the Raiders, and the Raiders have looked pretty good, um, even though they lost And then the you Bills. got the Bills. Right, the Bills on Thursday night. So – Back-to-back home games and then a road trip to Buffalo. Uh, this stretch, you know, three games in 11 days here. I think the Chiefs should win all three games, but you're just hoping that you get all those wins and avoid injuries here because uh, certainly that's a lot on the body to take in uh, in these next three games coming up. 
Yeah, Buffalo, uh, you know, I can attest how good that team is. Seeing my team ended up losing to them. Uh, but Buffalo's look good. Uh, and, and, you know, on any other – that's a weird year. It is 2020 because any other year I would never be able to say that. But Buffalo is also undefeated. I think there's a real, real good chance we could see – an undefeated KC team and an undefeated Buffalo team head on and into a Thursday night. Maybe they grant the Chiefs a little leeway here, and maybe that Thursday night's move to Sunday. I don't know the implication of that or how that works, um, but I wouldn't be shocked if that game does move from Thursday night and they just kind of say, hey, uh, you know, Thursday night's been cool, but listen, we all have to make sacrifices and we're moving it to Sunday. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I know that contracts and TV networks certainly have a big part of that as well. I'm sure CBS is excited that uh, they get a primetime game on Monday night tonight with the uh, Chiefs and Patriots. Uh, a lot more people are going to be watching that than that Packers-Falcons game, which is tonight. Sounds like Devontae Adams is not going to be able to give it a go for the Packers. He uh, tweeted out that he wasn't playing, then deleted that tweet. Nonetheless, the Falcons are so bad, though, I think the Packers – are going to be just fine there. We aren't going to see the Steelers and the Titans tonight or tomorrow either. That game was uh, originally supposed to be played Sunday, and then uh, the Titans had a lot of positive tests when it came to COVID, and then as of today, everybody tested negative. So that's good news from the Titans' front um, that they should be back on track and should get to play again next week. Um, but you know, the Steelers were off to a hot start to 2020. And now you have this situation with the Titans here. Um, if, if you're a player for the Steelers or a Steelers fan, you got to be pretty pissed with the Titans because all of a sudden you got to take a bye week, week four, when everything was going well. And you, that week eight bye week seemed probably about as perfect as you could get. Uh, bad timing on the uh, Steelers' part. Uh, the, the Titans uh, also, you got to feel for them just to have those COVID cases that ended up that way. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, for the Steelers to already have their bye week, um, kind of forced into that, no fault of their own per se. And But, you know, uh, it had to hit somebody. I think the Steelers would be all right, but, you know, it, it you're not anticipating the bye week. Uh, you know, you could have had all this week off. Instead, you practice um, and kind of throws off your momentum there. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, kind of I think they'll be fine. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that maybe affects later on in the season uh, if we get to that point on, you know, just fatigue or needing a bye week when everybody else is going to get theirs later on in the season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Let's go around the uh, NFL, Tom, uh, looking at the games that were this weekend. You and I watched a lot of these games together yesterday. Let's start with Thursday night. The Broncos beat the Jets. This was the toilet bowl of sorts. Both these teams entered with an 0-3 record, and uh, the Broncos won. It was ugly. Brett Whitrippen had three interceptions. Melvin Gordon rushed for 100 yards. And somehow, Adam Gase still has a job after that loss. To me, Tom, both these teams are bad, and in the Broncos' case, it has to do with all their injuries. I think a healthy Broncos team would have actually been a playoff contender of sorts this year. Um, but somehow, Adam Gates is, Gates is still there. That's my biggest takeaway is the Jets looked awful the other night, and still they're keeping Adam Gates around for some reason. Does he have something on that Jets organization? Does, does he have some 
uh, thing that's keeping his job there? Does he know something that we don't? Because uh, I don't understand that one. Yeah, he must. Um, because even there was reports come out if he was to lose that game, uh, he was going to get fired. I know it was a little, you know, it was kind of close. Um, and, and Sam Darnell looked, looked like a solid running quarterback, actually. Um, but just he doesn't have a whole lot to deal. I mean, he just, I mean, they can't. It, it, I feel terrible for Sam Darnell. I mean, what what do you do? I mean, he's running for his life. Right. Um, so I don't know how he has a job either. Uh, they know that he is not going to be the future uh, head coach of that franchise. And so I think it would be easier for both parties to go ahead and move on. But, uh, you know, that is the enigma of the New York Jets. Yeah, exactly. The uh, Bengals beat the Jaguars 33-25. to First win of the Bengals this year. And for their rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow, he had over 300 yards and a touchdown and one pick. Joe Mixon was good on the ground with 151 yards and two scores. Uh, Gardner Minshew played well, just not good enough to win. He had 351 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, but, Tom, the Bengals' offense, I know that the Bengals have been so bad, uh, you know, dating back to the last season, but their offense is starting to come together. Joe Burrow is uh, having a heck of a rookie season there. Yeah, he is. Uh, I mean, he looks like a fighter, got his first win after coming so close in, in the previous uh, four weeks. And so uh, – so far, so good for the Bengals. I mean, I know they're not going to compete probably anytime soon, but, uh, you know, you got to be happy with where Joe Burrow stands so far. No doubt. The uh, Browns beat the Cowboys, and uh, you and I were watching this game just having a laugh uh, at the way this one played out. The Browns put up 49 points on the Cowboys' defense. Uh, Baker Mayfield was was good a – was 19 of 30 for two touchdowns. Jarvis Landry even had a touchdown pass in this game. Uh, the running game was good. I mean, heck, Odell had two carries, including a touchdown run. Kareem Hunt, uh, he did well filling in for Nick Chubb after Chubb got hurt. He had two touchdown runs. Uh, a couple things here. The Browns offense, credit where credit's due. Kevin Skafanski has done a great job with this offense since taking over as his head coach. And they've prioritized the run game, and it's working, and it's played well to Baker's benefit. The other thing, too, is Dallas. Dak is doing his job. He is playing well. Dak's having a good year, 500 yards yesterday. But he has no help on that defense. And I know that you know, a lot of us were pointing the finger at Jason Garrett, but you know, I think you have to do the same thing you did with Garrett at Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy's got to take some blame here for what the Cowboys have done. And that defense is just so atrocious. Um, unbelievable. The Cowboys are at one and three, but even as bad as the Cowboys look, Tom, they're still only a half game back in the NFC East. They could, they could win the NFC East with a, you know, seven and nine record. I would not be shocked if that's the case because the other teams in that division, I believe all took a loss yesterday as well. So Except the I, Eagles. Uh, the Eagles did. Okay. Yeah. The Eagles did win still. Um, not looking good for the entire NFC East. And, uh, you know, Dallas, I mean, they, you know, they, they should be 0-4. <laughs> right. How about them Cowboys? Uh, <laughs> what, a, what a joke that uh, that team is. And, 
Tom, I know you and I have certainly enjoyed how things have gone for Dallas this year. I, I do not feel bad for them one bit uh, by how their season's gone. Browns are three and one. I picked them to go to the playoffs before the season began, and uh, that's a big win for them. Their other wins weren't against good competition. That's big time for them to get that win on the road, put up 49 like that. Saints defeat the Lions 35-29. to They end the losing streak, move up to 2-2 two and two on the year. And uh, we still did not see, uh, you know, Michael Thomas for the Saints. But nonetheless, they didn't really need him. Kamara had a good game. Emmanuel Sanders had a good game. Uh, Breeze was, uh, was good with the 19-25 passing, uh, you know, I look at this one, Tom, and the Saints, they needed this bounce back win. I know the Lions aren't that good of a team, but just for morale and trying to keep pace with the Bucs, uh, that one, you put up 35 points, you, you hang your heads and, and uh, move on. That's, that's one the Saints are feeling good about. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to. And I think when Michael Thomas gets back, I think it'll be uh, a whole lot better. But for the time now, you just have to hang on. Seahawks beat the Dolphins 31-23. to Russell Wilson, he looks like the MVP favorite at this point. 360 yards through the air, two touchdowns. Fitzmagic uh, threw for a lot of yards, 315, but he still had two picks. And uh, D.K. Metcalf, four receptions for 106 yards. D.K. Metcalf just in his second year in the league. And, Tom, uh, the Seahawks look as good as any team in the NFC. And then D.K. Metcalf – uh, this guy is coming along really nicely for Seattle, turning into one of the best receivers in the NFL already at year two. Yeah, and as a, uh, a fan of a team in the NFC West, you hate to see it. Um, you hate <laughs> to see it, but, uh, you know, Pete Carroll does Pete Carroll things, and, uh, you know, it's the, the Seahawks are, you know, end up keeping it on rolling. Uh, you know, it's almost like Seahawks never say die. Right. Uh, that is for sure. The uh, Bucks beat the Chargers 38-31. to If you're betting on this game, this was a push as uh, the Bucks were favored right at seven. Chargers got off to a nice start to this game. They led for two and a half quarters, and Justin Herbert had a really good showing, going 20 of 25 through the air, 290 yards, three touchdowns, one interception that cost him in this game. Kind of been the story for Herbert, just one pass being the difference uh, really for him. Other than that, he's doing his part, and he had no run help either. They were held to just 46 yards on the ground. Uh, meanwhile, for Tampa Bay, Tom Brady was outstanding. 30 of 46, 369 yards, five touchdowns and an interception. And in the second half, he had a perfect passer rating. Uh, and Ronald Jones was great running the football too. Those two things, what I, I take away from this, Tom, is that Tom Brady is back to the Tom Brady we know he's capable of being. And uh, that offense is rolling. They did lose O.J. Howard for the rest of the season, though. But the Chargers, they found their quarterback with Herbert. That's his job for the foreseeable future, I think, no matter what happens with uh, Terod Taylor there. Yeah, he does look good. He looks – I mean, he does look like a rookie. Um, but uh, I, I think he also looks very promising for the foreseeable future for uh, for the Chargers. I mean, I did, would not have expected uh, his caliber of play coming in. No, no doubt about that. The Ravens beat Washington 31-17. to uh, we saw a nice bounce back from uh, Lamar Jackson as he had two touchdowns and, and uh, one interception. He also had 53 rushing yards. Dwayne Haskins played well, uh, 314 yards through the air for him. Ravens win, and uh, they needed that win after that 
the defeat they suffered against the Chiefs last week. But I look at Washington. Dwayne Haskins has played pretty decent so far this year, Tom. I know Washington's one and three, but they may have found their quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, uh, and the jury was out on him entering this season. Right, and I think Chase Young was out yesterday as well. Uh, I mean, we, no one expected Washington to win that game, but uh, Haskins has looked pretty solid so far, and, and maybe some, uh, you know, some consistency finally at that position, maybe for Washington. Maybe so. Carolina defeats Arizona 31-21. to Teddy Bridgewater had two touchdowns and an interception. He also had 32 rushing yards going 26-31 uh, to through the air for 276 yards. Kyler Murray had three touchdown passes, uh, but that was not enough as the Cardinals lose their second straight. Uh, you know, Matt Rule and uh, Cliff Kingsbury, they're very familiar with one another, coached against each other in the Big 12. And, uh, you know, there was a belief among the NFL, Tom, that Carolina would be one of the worst teams in the league this year, that they would be tanking of sorts to get ready for their future. That's been far from the case. Two and two. Christian McCaffrey, of course, is out, and they're still winning football games. I'm very impressed with the job Matt Rule's done there in Carolina. Yeah, and, and to be in, in the division against Tom Brady and Drew Brees, I mean, uh, you know, the, the Falcons probably will at this point end up in last in the division, and, and you know, we can get to that later, but that's another story for another day almost. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, – Carolina's looking not bad considering all things. Right. The uh, Vikings beat the Texans 31-23. to The Vikings move ahead to 1-3 and on the year. Texans fall to 0-4. The Texans had a lot of hype, a lot of expectations entering 2020. And uh, Bill O'Brien, of course, made some aggressive moves this offseason, moving on from DeAndre Hopkins and some of their other guys there. And the Vikings had high expectations this year. Uh, this was kind of a loser-leaves-town type game between these two. Um, whoever lost this game was going to be done in the playoff race, and whoever won still had a ways to go. Vikings get the win. Uh, Dalvin Cook had a big performance, but the story from this game, Tom, is the uh, Texans 0-4. Uh, Bill O'Brien continuing to look like the buffoon that we all knew he was uh, dating back to even last season. Yeah, I don't I don't think at the rate that they're going. And granted, they've, they've had, like, I mean – They've had a tough time. I mean, you have the Chiefs, the Ravens, uh, you know, two teams that will win their division. And then you have the Vikings who were predicted to win the division. Um, I mean, I mean, that's a tough first start. But, uh, I mean, the rate they're going, Bill O'Brien might not even make it to the end of the season. Yeah, I'm not thinking so. Rams beat the Giants 17-9. to The Rams are now 3-1, and one of the sneaky good teams there in the NFC. Goff had a good showing, 25-32 of for 200 yards and a touchdown. Rams struggled to run the football, but their defense was terrific. Uh, they got an interception from, uh, from uh, Daniel Jones and such, holding the Giants just nine points here. Tom, you watched this game real closely here. Rams defense looked really good. Yeah, they did, and and I don't, you know, goes without saying they should have looked, the offense should have rolled and made it look better. And at the beginning of the game, the Rams went down and scored, and we I thought this game was going to be <clears throat> a blowout of sorts. It was not. Um, Daniel Jones, you know, despite what they all say, Daniel Jones, he's looked tough. Uh, I mean, considering what he's going through in, in New York and not really having any weapons around him, Saquon Barkley out, uh, he looks like a tough character. Uh, I mean, he 
escaped many sacks from Aaron Donald that should have been sacks on Aaron Donald's end and, and somehow evaded that Rams front line several times. Uh, there's also many times he did not evade it, but uh, tough, tough, uh, you know, that's a tough favor to ask Daniel Jones to, to have the line that he does not have Saquon Barkley and not have a real target um, to throw to. I mean, he, he's doing what he can. I feel bad for him, but I don't feel that bad because the Rams did win. Um, and, and Giants look about like the, all the other teams in the NFC East. <laughs> that is uh, for sure uh, on that front. Nice win for the Rams nonetheless. Colts beat the Bears 19-11. to The Colts lost week one to Jacksonville. They've recovered nicely with uh, three straight wins. The Bears started Nick Foles. Foles played fine. Uh, you know, he was – 26 of 42 for 249 yards, a touchdown and a pick. The real issue with the Bears was the run game. Uh, without Tariq Cohen, uh, they really couldn't get anything going. Held to just 28 rushing yards for the game here. Tom, uh, how about that for uh, the Colts after that week one loss? Uh, they played pretty well here the last few weeks uh, with Phillip Rivers and company. Yeah, the Colts look really good, I think. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to come down to the Colts, Titans, and you know, if, if we get that far. But the Colts, uh, you know, after I almost had wanted to count them out um, after that Jags loss, but they have bounced back really nicely. The Bills uh, beat the Raiders in Las Vegas 30-23. to The Bills, one of the few remaining undefeateds left in the league. The Bills sitting at 4-0. and Another good game from Josh Allen, 288 yards and two touchdowns. Run game wasn't great, just 62 rushing yards for Buffalo. Uh, meanwhile, for the Raiders, uh, Derek Carr had a good showing, uh, 311 yards and two touchdowns, but they struggled to really run the football. We saw a couple good runs from Josh Jacobs here and there, but at the end of the day, they ended up holding him to 48 rushing yards. The Bills, Tom, uh, I mean, that offense looks good, and the defense is also coming along as well. That trade they made for Stephon Diggs, he had 115 yards yesterday. Uh, add him with John Brown and Cole Beasley. I mean, look out. I mean, that Bills receiving core is really good, and Diggs is proving to be a nice asset for them. Yeah, that that, that ends up being uh, <clears throat> a win in Buffalo for that, and uh, it's translating on the field pretty well. I mean, Bills undefeated, that's uh, – you know, we knew the Patriots uh, could, you know, take the back seat this year potentially, but uh, for the Bills to come on like they've done, it's pretty impressive. And on Sunday Night Football last night, you had the Eagles and the 49ers. The Eagles got their first win of the 2020 season. And get this, Tom, that first win, they move all the way up to first place in the NFC East because of that tie they had against the Bengals the week previously. It was an ugly game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they, they forced Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth at the beginning of the night to wear a mask while calling the game. That was kind of a foreshadowing for the rest of the way this game would go. Um, as uh, the Eagles ended up winning, Carson Wentz threw an interception early in the game, and he was okay after that. Nick Mullins got the start for the 49ers. Uh, C.J. Beathard uh, played some as well. Uh, Mullins threw two interceptions. Beathard was okay. Um, you know, the, the, the thing you look at this game here, Tom, is the Eagles win – and, you know, they could still win the division, although I would say that they should give the division title to the Houston Roughnecks of the XFL. 
P.J. Walker and company should be the ones in the playoffs, not whoever's out of the NFC East. But nonetheless, um, George Kittle had a big game. He kind of bailed out this Niners team. The Niners have a lot of problems. They're so banged up right now. I don't think that there's a solution coming for the Niners. You can pretty much write off the Niners right now. The Eagles could still win this division, but this team's not going anywhere. And if Carson Wentz con- continues to struggle, uh, the whispers will only get louder for Jalen Hurts to take over that quarterback position. Yeah, I think so too. And and whoever ends up getting to play, whoever wins the NFC East in the first round of the playoffs is uh, one lucky team. Uh, I mean, that's essentially a bye week. Right. Um, the number one overall seed gets a bye week, but whoever gets to play the NFC, champion, NFC East champion uh, pretty much gets the second bye week themselves. We'll move on, talk uh, college football here, Tom, and the Big 12 Conference. Uh, how about this? Uh, we mentioned it off the top. Oklahoma loses to Iowa State, their second straight loss of the season. First time they've lost back-to-back games since 1998. And, uh, you know, Iowa State, this team, for who knows whatever reason, loses week one to Louisiana, Lafayette at home. And ever since then, they've played great with that win against uh, TCU. And now this one here, Iowa State's bounced back nicely. And and Proctober, folks, is alive and well. Uh, I loved what I saw from Brock Purdy the other night. He he was shaky at times, but he made plays when it mattered most. And uh, you had that big touchdown pass to Xavier Hutchinson, you know, late in the ball game. Um, I loved what I saw from him. Brees Hall was terrific running the football 139 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Um, Iowa State's great. And, you know, now they've bounced back. they got players healthy again. They're a threat in the Big 12. But for Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, I know he threw three picks against K-State, but they have bigger issues than Spencer Rattler right now. That defense is awful. Um, and we've heard, you know, Oklahoma about their, their defense – for quite some time about the issues that they dealt with. But now it seems like things are back to almost the Mike Stoops days again, because this defense, they they couldn't stop a nosebleed last week against Iowa State. I mean, this was just a bad showing for OU in a game that they should have won. They were the more talented team. They were the better team. But Iowa State just came in more prepared and more ready to go for this one. And that's ultimately why Iowa State got the win at Oklahoma, didn't it? Yeah, that is so true. And, and, you know, you mentioned Brocktober. I would almost call it O-Talk uh, Brees, or I'm trying to add Brees Hall into the October <laughs> formula. Uh, October Brees. Yeah, I'd say it October Brees. Doesn't quite uh, roll off the tongue as well. Right. No, no, it doesn't. But nonetheless, uh, Brees Hall kind of rolled off OU's tongue and into the end zone a couple of times this past Saturday. Uh, Iowa State, it's so – I don't know. I don't know how – they do this in October and their only loss in October, the past the last considering last season. And then obviously in this season is to Oklahoma state. That is a Brocktober type game in Stillwater on October 24th. I will be there. So that will be interesting to see if they can keep on that role. Um, they got Texas tech this week. Uh, I, I don't see why that can't, that trend can't continue on rolling Bowman's hurt for tech, but, um, yeah, it's I, – I, I'm not as shocked that Iowa State won this game. I am more shocked that OU lost two in a row. 
Right. I think you're absolutely uh, right. I mean, no, no credit, no credit lost to Iowa State for a hell of a game. Um, but for OU to lose two in a row since 1998, obviously it's bound to happen again. But considering this is the year that it happened, I mean, uh, Alex, and it's it, it, maybe not. It's not on Spencer Rattler per se. I will say his, his ill-time interceptions uh, can go ahead and continue until after they play OSU. But um, because I'll take the ill-time interception like that any day when they look to go tie up the game. Um, all that being said, though, Alex Grinch is not – is not it. You know, he showed some promise. I know this defense has lost uh, Murray and, and some others, but this defense looks atrocious. And I think OU for so long – and I don't think it's just been this year. I, I think we are seeing – when you have a number one or a first-round graded quarterback come in and save you each season, you don't really see it until now where it's not to blame Spencer Rattler. I think it's more so that OU has relied far too long on an elite quarterback to, to pull it out of their ass and, and to save them. And that's what we're seeing the, the culmination of now. Yeah. I mean, what was it? Iowa State came back last year against OU and Jalen Hurts found a way to win. Uh, time and time again, Iowa State has been given OU problems, uh, but their late quarterbacks find ways. Right now, Spencer Rattler's just not quite ready for prime time. He's a little rattled, if you say. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this, you know, he's not the biggest issue. Uh, he's not playing great. He will be great one day, but that defense has got problems they got to fix first uh, as far as that goes. The other big upset in the Big 12, number nine, Texas, falls to TCU, uh, handing Texas their first loss of the year. Texas should have lost the week before against Texas Tech when they were down by two scores with three minutes to go. And uh, Max Dugan played well with a 231 yards in the air. They ran it great. TCU did 226 yards on the ground. Ellinger, he threw four touchdowns. Um, but Texas, this team, their defense, talk about defense with uh, OU, Texas's defense, who once called themselves not too long ago DBU, was just awful. Uh, I mean, they gave up a lot of big plays to this TCU team. And now, Tom, you want to talk about a stat. Here's a good stat for you. TCU joined the Big 12 in 2012. Do you know how many times now, Tom, TCU has beaten Texas since they joined the Big 12? Seven of the past nine, and I think six of those in Austin. That is correct. Yes. Uh, they have owned the Longhorns since they've joined the Big 12 Conference, and they owned them again. Uh, I, I would say, Tom, that this was more of a surprise. This wasn't as big a surprise as OU losing to Iowa State was because uh, Texas – uh, they've always been frauds. I mean, they, they've been the fake ID card of college football for the last decade now. Yeah, they have. And, and I wasn't too shocked either, uh, to be honest, on this game. I will say, and this is this is not me defending Texas, uh, because the only team that I dislike more than OU uh, probably in the Big 12, and it's, it's, it's really close, is Texas. Uh, the officiating was garbage in this game for both sides. Yeah. Um, I, they said these Big 12 refs, you know, I don't even, I don't even know if it was a Big 12 crew, um, but there was they, – they talked about at the beginning, there were like nine or ten penalties uh, combined in the first quarter alone that, that 
really there were several plays for Texas and one offensive pass interference that that was very suspicious, uh, very sus, um, that pretty much knocked out of, of what probably would have been a Texas touchdown um, in, in the first quarter. I watched this game, uh, or rather listened to this game on the way to Lawrence, actually, and the amount of penalties called. And then both teams, they're, you know, not not to say the refs were that bad, but uh, undisciplined, mainly on Texas' side. Um, uh, Tom Herman's got to be on the hot seat. And, and Jones, we're coming into this week, Red River rivalry, Red River shootout. Uh, this is the first time that, that – OU's not been ranked in this game, I believe, since 2005. Uh, I mean, 2020 is a year of sorts. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and this this game is not even going to be uh, nearly as big. I will still watch. Um, and whoever wh- whoever loses this game, and, and there's bigger implications in this game as well. And we talked a little bit about it. Um, OU loses this game. This is a must-win for them if they want to stay alive. Uh, I think the playoffs gone uh, for them, but if Absolutely. they want to stay alive in, in the Big Twelve race, uh, they must win this game because if they lose three of their first three Big Twelve games, it's done. Yeah. Uh, Texas, if they lose this game, uh, Tom Herman, I don't know how quick Texas would oust him. Uh, maybe after the season, I don't know what kind of money he's owed either. I'm sure it's a lot, um, but it is. It is a different year of sorts. That is uh, for sure. Uh, as far as that goes, the uh, things are, are not great. Trouble in paradise in both Norman and Austin. And uh, I heard uh, Eddie Radosovich say, he made a good point on Twitter the other day, that OU Texas is going to be like the first presidential debate. <laughs> I mean, it is going to be that uh, nasty uh, and meaningless compared to what it normally is uh, on that front. OSU beat KU 47-7. to Tom, you and I were at this game. And, I mean, this one got off the rails pretty quickly here. Jalen Daniels, the true freshman quarterback for Kansas, goes down in the first quarter. He was held at just two passing yards. Miles Kendrick came in, couldn't really do anything as he had uh, 90 yards through the air and one interception. The, the, the Oklahoma State defense, I think, is the best in the conference. And they focused all their attention on Puka, on Puka. And it worked, holding him to just 32 rushing yards, 2.3 yards uh, per carry. Uh, the OSU defense was terrific. And their offense was great, too. Illingworth uh, starting in place of Sanders. Sounds like Sanders is going to be good to go against Baylor. But uh, he had three touchdowns, 360 yards. Chuba was terrific, uh, quietly getting 145 yards and two touchdowns. Tylon Wallace was great. Looks like that ACL was just fine as he had close to 150 yards and two touchdowns. You know, once Oklahoma State can get all their pieces back, Spencer Sanders and company, um, it's pretty clear Oklahoma State's the team to beat in the Big 12 right now. Uh, they're on a whole nother level, it seems, compared to everybody else at this moment. I know it's Kansas, but still uh, a good showing from the Pokes. I thought so, too. And, and I think this could have been – I think it could have been a shutout. Um, not, I mean, KU, they have their own problems of sorts. And OSU did what they need, come, you know, came into Lawrence, took care of business. Uh, business casual, business as usual type game uh, for OSU. Didn't falter, didn't slip. Uh, third down, and, and they this goes back to the West Virginia game as well, and and for Tulsa, and we can talk about Tulsa obviously later on, and and, 
and how that how they did this weekend made OSU look just a little bit better. Um, but one for 14 on third down, and that was that was the stat line that I saw that I thought, okay, this defense is for real. Uh, you know, over the past couple of seasons, third downs have been an issue for OSU, and this year they seem to have fixed that uh, quite a bit. I mean, granted, against Kansas, one for 14 uh, on, on third downs. Jones, here's another stat line for you as far as the West Virginia game goes. Um, West Virginia, six for 17 on third downs, and against Tulsa, um, against Tulsa, that stat line is 0 for 12. So you're t- telling me, Probably on third downs this season, OSU has allowed seven for probably close to 40. Yeah. Seven, seven for 40 third down conversions. Uh, if they keep that up, I have no qualms about saying OSU is going to win the Big 12. If they can keep that up. There's a lot more games to be played. COVID's out there. Uh, that is the stat line that I see uh, given this OSU team the potential Big 12 crown. Uh, but, it, like I said, a lot of time to go. Looks good so far. The only thing that can get in Oklahoma State's way right now is themselves. It's the injuries. It's COVID. It's those things. Because they're the most talented. They're the best team in this league. It's just a matter of them putting it together. But so far, they look real good uh, after that win there. A couple more for you in the Big 12 here real quick. K-State knocks off Texas Tech 31-21. to K-State had that embarrassing loss week one uh, to Arkansas State. But since then, you get the win in Norman and now this win against Texas Tech. Uh, we saw some of uh, Will Howard and Skylar Thompson in this game, and Skylar did not play well. Uh, Derek Deuce Vaughn was good running the football for K-State. You know, I'm not sold on Skylar Thompson. Uh, whether they go to Will Howard or not, I don't know what their plan is. But either way, the run game and the physicality that K-State team is – uh, I don't honestly care who's the quarterback for K-State. I, I think that they're going to be okay. They'll uh, find a way to still probably sneak out six or seven wins here. For Texas Tech, you know, Alan Bowman didn't play much. And uh, once you didn't have Bowman, really, you didn't really have a chance. He's kind of the heart and soul of that offense. Save for White ran the ball really well. But uh, nice win for the Cats to uh, get that on their home turf there against Tech. Yeah, it is. And, and for Alex Bowman – or Alan Bowman, rather, I feel so bad for him. Uh, I mean, he can't stay healthy. But when he is healthy, I mean, he almost beats Texas. And Texas Tech teched that game away. Uh, but Bowman, I, I do – I feel sorry for the kid. Uh, I mean, I bet Tech wishes they had the, the weird luck that K-State does that whoever ends up playing quarterback ends up somewhat working out um, because it does seem like that for K-State. Uh, they just get these – almost – maybe it's a, a diss calling them just random people coming in at quarterback because I feel like they switch so often. Uh, but that ends up working out for them. Uh, and, you know, I granted it is Tech, uh, but K-State, again, needed to do what they do. They potentially look – maybe I don't know. At this point, I don't know who the second best team is um, in, in the in the Big 12 right now. It, there's numerous teams that could be number two. And it doesn't really even matter because the league just sucks. Uh, it's terrible. It's, it's a bad year for the Big 12 all around. Um, you know, if Oklahoma State, they're the only undefeated left. If they go undefeated, it's still not even guaranteed they make the playoff at this point. Um, 
you know, just the way how things are with the rest of this league right now. So we'll see. One more game of the Big 12 for you. Double overtime win for West Virginia over Baylor. Jared Dagey, uh, he threw for over 200 yards, had two picks. Charlie Brewer had two picks on the other end as well. This was just a sloppy game all the way around. But for West Virginia, a team that is trying to build with Neil Brown and company there, it's a big-time win to defeat a team that was in the uh, Big 12 championship a uh, season ago there. Uh, I, the thing I read into this is more about West Virginia. This is huge for them to get this one, to take care of business in a game that they were not favored in. Yeah, that was that was a shocking one. That was a heck of a game uh, as well. Double overtime there. Uh, West Virginia kind of bounced back uh, in a way. Um, I'm not – not convinced, and there's a lot of other players – or not a lot of other players, a lot of other people not convinced on the quarterback situation uh, at West Virginia. I don't know, Jared Dozier, I don't know – I don't know how I feel about him just yet. Uh, I'll take him over for, Austin Kendall any day. Yeah, yes, yes, they don't really have much of a choice. Uh, and Neil Brown, you know, hanging on. Uh, I read some reports that he is a little hot seat. He's still early on for West Virginia, so I, I don't think that's right to call for his head yet, even if West Virginia doesn't do so hot this year. But um, they pull it out against Baylor, um, you know, get the job done, double overtime. Um, I mean, I feel like there were more points scored in overtime combined than there was in the game. So – Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong there. But it did feel like there was more uh, – it was more exciting. The whole overtime period was a lot more exciting than the entire game. Right. Um, so, you know, where do you go for Dave Aranda after this loss with Baylor? They've been thrown so much this season in their way. Uh, I mean, you take what you can get. But for Dave Aranda and crew, I think they bounce back and, and, and look a lot better next week. It's not the end of the world for Baylor to uh, lose to West Virginia on the road like that, uh, as far as that goes. Other games around the country, just real quick, just going through them. Uh, the, the top ten teams held their own. Alabama was outstanding against A&M. Georgia took care of business against Auburn. Their defense played really well. Florida beats you know South Carolina by a couple touchdowns. Clemson looked great as well. It's when you go outside the top ten where the surprises were. Mississippi State has that big-time win on the road a week ago against LSU. And then Arkansas or Kansas, who hasn't won an SEC game in over two years, finds a way to beat Mississippi State on the road. Felipe Franks, the former Florida quarterback, had over 200 yards and two touchdowns. And Sam Pittman, the uh, new head coach there at Arkansas, uh, gets a conference win. His uh, predecessor there, uh, Chad Morris, didn't even win a single conference game in the SEC. Uh, Tulsa, of course, beats UCF. No one had UCF going to the playoff, but, uh, I mean – Still big time for Tulsa, uh, as far as that goes, to get that done. That's the biggest win they've had for Zach Smith and a Philip Montgomery of, uh, and company since they won the Liberty Bowl back in 2012, the Conference USA team. But really, that, that's kind of – I'd take away here, Tom, is we mentioned Texas losing early on and Oklahoma losing out of the Big 12. But the other national games, the favorites did their job – and uh, it, it was kind of those middle-of-the-pack teams, Mississippi State, UCF, you know, those others that, uh, that didn't do their part. Uh, to me, that's the biggest shocker, though. It has to be what Arkansas did against Mississippi State there. 
Yeah, after Mississippi State had that impressive game against LSU and, and, and LSU bouncing back this week, and then for Mississippi State just to lay an egg against Arkansas uh, in that fashion, that was a hard-to-believe game this week. Yeah, yeah, no question. No question about it. Uh, last thing before we go today, Tom, uh, how about the uh, NBA Finals? The Miami Heat defeat the Lakers 115-104 to last night to uh, make the series 2-1 with the Lakers leading. Jimmy Butler just went off with a triple-double, 40 points, 13 assists, 11 rebounds. Uh, he still had some nice help from Tyler Hero and Olenek, who each had 17 points. Duncan Robinson was good with 13 and 12. Uh, what a showing from the Heat. And, you know, I, I still like the Lakers to win this series, but the Heat are all of a sudden right back in it. They changed the dynamic of this series. Uh, if the Lakers would have won last night, it's essentially over at 3-0. The Heat still have their work cut out for them. Don't get me wrong, but I'm impressed. They, they shut down Anthony Davis, held him to 15 points. LeBron played good 25 and 10, but that's not enough. If they play like they did last night, the Heat will win this series. I like what they did. That's got to be their blueprint going forward here is uh, let Jimmy Butler be Jimmy Butler and just take over. I think he played, uh, what was it, uh, over 40 minutes. He played close to the whole game last night. I mean, he almost had to. And, and I, the thing I like about this Heat team is uh, they show a lot of grit, uh, a lot of grit. And people were riding off uh, the Heat after the first two games just almost immediately, uh, almost disrespectful. Uh, and, and for the Heat to come back, I mean, I think after the first quarter, they said that LeBron told Jimmy Butler, you're in trouble. And then at towards the end of the fourth quarter, Jimmy Butler looked back at LeBron and said, nah, you're in trouble. Uh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And uh, uh, Jimmy Butler's the type of guy is uh, uh, take no crap type of guy. Uh, and, right. And, you know, he got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, no pun intended, a lot of heat for his actions previously on different teams. Uh, looks like he found a home where he can – you know, guide and run the ship, and and uh, looks like his teammates have bought in, and this series is not over. No, it's not. Uh, I think the Lakers win this series in six games right now, Tom, but they got to make adjustments. They look so good in those first two games, but Eric Spolster is a good coach. He, he figured some stuff out. They, they played a lot different yesterday. The way that they focused in on Anthony Davis, I think that's what the Heat got to do going forward. They got to keep paying their attention towards Anthony Davis. LeBron can get his, and that's fine. He's going to get his. But Anthony Davis has been the one for the Lakers, Tom, that's been inconsistent these playoffs here. If the, if the Heat can play good enough defense to force Davis to be inconsistent like he's been, then I think that's their best, best route of option to possibly win this series. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the the game plan, I, I think they'll watch a lot of film on, on the game last night and find that blueprint and say, hey, okay, this is the way that, that we can, you know, beat them. This is the blueprint they have to continue with to, to down the Lakers. I mean, until it doesn't work. Um, and I think if they can – if they can go and tie this next game up and tie the series at 2-2, uh, this is a uh, this might be one for the ages. Yeah, it certainly uh, could be. Uh, Heat and Lakers, uh, they'll pick things up 
tomorrow at uh, 8 o'clock is uh, when that game will get going uh, between the Heat and the Lakers from the Orlando bubble. That does it for today's edition of the Jones Report. Back on Thursday for our normal full two-plus-hour show. We'll see you then. Make sure to subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Live as a five-star review. Also on a social media, twitter.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, uh, Thomas underscore Bridges, Instagram, Instant Thomas, Tyler Jones Live, Jones underscore Report, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group. You can find us there. Have a great weekend, the rest of your week, everybody. Enjoy the Chiefs-Patriots game tonight and the rest of the sports action. We'll see you on the other side coming up on on, uh, Thursday. So long, everybody.